What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin Congratulations, my friend. Your first victory. I told you that the Grizzlies would win a game. <laughs> oh, yeah. You said at least two. They play they 82. One. They play yeah. 82. You're getting one. <laughs> One and zero with Bismack Biombo as the starter. Yeah, Aldama's back. One and zero with the Kevin O'Connor mocked Santi Aldama. Oh yeah. please! Oh yeah, you know I, li- you know I like Santi Aldama. It's right. so a Monday night. It's just not there's, the savior. <laughs> there's no games on Tuesday night, so there were twelve tonight. We a lot are of games. We are recording as there are still some that are going on, but a lot has already taken place earlier in the evening. Not the least of which I must address right off the bat. I said to you when we recorded last week that 150 points is extreme, Kevin, and Never watching the Celtics trash the Pacers like that and get 150 that early in the season was crazy, and you just shouldn't have the amount of time that it takes to score that much. Uh, and yet, here we are where one team did score over 150, the aforementioned Indiana Pacers, no less, and another team could have easily gotten to 150 if they would have kept the pedal down, and that is the 76ers, oh, who yeah. had a... 146, right, they finished with? 
Uh, Sixers ended up with 146. Yeah, so two or four shorts. Um, God, the Wizards are terrible, man. Terrible. And Embiid. Embiid had almost a 30-point quarter in this game. Like, unheard of. He's 10 for 10. 28 in the third quarter, right? Oh, my God. 10 for 10 from the field. And poor Mike Muscala, who looks like he is a time traveler from 1992 um, and some basketball card that I got. It's just, I mean, he's out there having a guard. It's like, this is this is wild. The, the um, Wizards in their losses this season, they've given up 143, 126, 130, 121, 146. And don't worry, Chris, we'll ignore yeah. the game that they won. Please do. Please do. <laughs> but you had, you had the Pacers put up 152 against the Spurs. Mm, yeah. And shot over 50% from three. Yeah. Uh, and then you had that, that 76ers team that scored 146. Um, you also had some very good games. It's a very good performances that are worth mentioning. One that stands out in particular is what turned out to be a very good heat Lakers game. The heat are able to hang on after the Lakers just miss every open shot. LeBron generated down the stretch. Reeves missed two wide open ones. And then, of course, the game winner with Reddish in the corner. He misses another one. AD not out on the floor. He was banged up in the middle of this game with groin spasms, they said. So it's certainly (laughs) something to monitor. (laughs) Sorry, I'm immature. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Groin spasms, huh? You know, the Heat have these games every once in a while where it's like their guys... (laughs) could really show up. You had Bam out of bio. He had he had a 2020 game and 10 assists to go along with hit, it. No he less. hit a three. I mean, that is a crazy stat line to I go yeah. <laughs> to get 2020 and 10. Um and then so that game it went on. Uh the Nets played the Bucks all the way down to the wire and Cam Thomas going nuts again. I mean this is now four games that he's had 30 plus already this season and just i mean he is an absolute bucket cam thomas he got <laughs> blocked like at a, the rim he, he got he's blocked a classic at the rim. isn't he like 90s 90s early 2000s type of score the type of buckets he hits it's a joy to watch honestly man and they're down by three they come out of the timeout they go for a quick two and i don't know like of all the shots that Cam Thomas hit tonight i don't know about driving to the <laughs> rim and getting packed by uh Giannis at the very end of that game. Obviously, Lillard goes the other way and knocks down some free throws. But uh, you know, they were they were a game team and and Cam Thomas has some big time, big time scoring performances already this season. And then the one that was center stage that everybody wanted to see how it was gonna look was the Clippers dud against the New York Knicks. It was gonna be big James time. Harden's debut. They were going to be playing at Madison Square Garden. And look, I think everybody has a differing opinion on how well this is going to work, what level of success it can have, putting all those guys together as a group and playing them. And they were all in the starting lineup um, by night number one. And I think, if anything, what we see, this is going to take some time. Like, this is not going to be some kind of seamless transition 
gotten a little bit spoiled because we've seen somebody like the Celtics add two new starters, and it's been a very seamless transition. This, just adding Harden into that mix and kind of figuring out how this is going to work with the four of them who have got a ton of all-star appearances between them, it's going to be a real work in progress. And I got to be honest with you, my first impression was, man, I read this article the other day saying the Clippers had two of the best net ratings lineups in the entire NBA. And, you know, you got to have, there's stars and role players. There's guys that just play the roles and keep the ball moving and, you know, don't have to have a lot of shots. And then there's, uh, or I mean, the, the role players that do that, and then there's the stars. And those are the guys that are going to be taking the shots. And, and, and virtually every time throughout NBA history we have seen successful teams, we can call out, like, okay, those are guys that are obviously the stars. There's two or three of the stars. And then there's the role players and the guys that kind of fit in with it. And, man, that's a tough go because you, you don't really have, you got one role player in that starting lineup. And you're asking guys that have always been stars to assimilate into roles. And I think it's going to be a very, very hard task for Ty Lue. And just when you see it out there on the court, and it's like, man, who is the guy that doesn't need the ball? Like, you can't turn Paul Paul George, <laughs> can't turn him into a role player. You can't turn Kawhi into a role player. And so it's like, how is this going to work? I, I, I do think what you're eventually going to see is I, – I, and probably Westbrook, but Westbrook or Harden, one of them is going to have to go to the bench and run that bench unit because well, that's Zubats, what happened tonight, Chris. That's what happened. is the Harden only did, one. Harden, Harden did run the bench unit. That's exactly what happened in tonight's game. Yeah, and the bench they, unit. They staggered their lineups. Harden, Harden dominated the ball with the bench unit in the first half. That that I'm is talking about tonight. starting and closing these games. Right when it comes down to it. Keeping those four guys off the court, who's the guy that's not the guy? I think it's going to be hard. I mean, I, I think hard. I think I think you're right that it's going to probably be Russell Westbrook that ends up taking a back seat, unless James Harden completely adapts to playing off ball, which tonight. I didn't feel like he did. I mean, in the first half, Russ was the primary ball handler, and you had Harden kind of just, you know, hanging out by the three-point line in the corners or by the wing. But he didn't, you know, do much with that opportunity. He didn't cut to the rim. Even in the second half, he had a, a kickout pass. It might have been from Paul George, if I remember correctly, where he's wide open when Harden received the ball. And instead of taking the three off the catch, he pump faked, let the defender go by him, did a side dribble into a three that he clanked off the rim. It's just like, why are you not taking these spot-up threes? Why are you turning a wide-open shot that you practice every single day into a lower efficient look. It, it's strange how he does that. And the in the second half, I'm sure Clippers fans were annoyed by uh, the Dante DiVincenzo offensive board when he flew over the entire defense past James Harden, who didn't think to box him out, relocated behind the three point line, and Harden didn't rotate back over. He left DiVincenzo wide open for a three. Mike Green on the Knicks call said bang, rightfully so, because it was a great play by DiVincenzo, but it was an equally bad play by James Harden. And those are the things that, you know, Harden, if you're if you're not being the guy who's averaging 
25, 30 points per game and dominating the ball and making such a significant difference with everything on offense. You need to make up for it in other ways, whether it's the, the plays where you don't have the ball spotting up or whether it's all those defensive possessions. And I felt like first impressions for the big four here were a big meh, a big meh at this point so far. But it's only game one. It's going to take time. Oh, yeah, it's going to take time for these guys to figure it out. Harden running the bench unit makes sense to me. It does make sense. But at the same time, like uh, the, the first impressions, it just felt like a lot of your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Guys just going back and forth and not a lot of cohesiveness, which is exactly what it was like for the Knicks. I mean, they right. were dominant defense, number two in the NBA in defensive rating so far this year. They were They looked like the quicker, stronger, tougher team, uh, the team that, you know, quote unquote, cliche wanted it more. Like that's what the Knicks looked like. And offensively, they were a team that looked like they were really clicking well. Um, not so much for the Clippers. Yeah, well, and they finally, you know, the much, much better Randall game than the beginning of his season, which has been oh, a disaster. His best game, really, so far. A, yeah, it's been a disaster so far for him. And he, even then, he was only 9 of 21. <laughs> still right. an inefficient night, but still probably his best overall game. Yeah, and, and they, and they, you know, it's they know who they are. I mean, they know... They know the guys that are playing. They know the guys they're playing with. They've got a lot of logged minutes together now. And the Clippers have no logged minutes until tonight. Mm -hmm. And so it's just going to take a little while. I'm not sure how it's going to end up looking. uh, But at least the first impression, it does. It's like, man, could you ever imagine them having a five-pass possession? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I I don't know if we'll ever see that. I don't know if we'll ever that. Not that they have to, but just the idea of that ball like popping around to pass up good shot for great shot that we see a lot of the really good teams do. Not sure how often we're going to see that with that crew as currently constructed because they've all been stars. They've all been stars, and they're all obviously capable of still having those big, big nights, probably Russ less than the others, but Russ could still, if you told him, if you said, hey, Russ, go get me 40 tonight, he could probably go get you 40. It might, it might, it might take a million shots, but he probably could still do it. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of clunky. Um, so that was the, the that was first night out for that Clippers team. Since we last spoke, you are and have been a huge proponent of the in-season tournament. We saw it. With the uh, with those new courts, which gathered a lot of conversation, uh, some thought the new courts were cool. Some thought the new courts were very distracting. Some had no idea what the hell was going on and why the courts looked that way. But at least for that first night, the basketball games, like I do think they got very lucky in that the competition level and the slate of games turned out to be extremely good. Um, I don't necessarily think that's because it was for something or because it was the in-season tournament. Um, But I do think that you go out on the court and even if you're a player psychologically, it does feel different just because you can't help but notice this isn't your average night when the court looks so crazy. And it's going to take a little getting used to on that, but I do think that if conversation was what they were looking for, they certainly got it. I felt it as a fan that that the games had elevated meaning or a different type of meaning. 
um, whether it was because the courts differentiating it from the normal games, um, or like you said, we we got fortunate with a lot of close games. Like there's you know an overtime game to end the night for your Grizzlies and the Blazers, the the thriller with the Warriors and the Thunder with the the call at the end that was a controversy. The like Nets oh, and Bulls yeah, was that's close. That's when you really knew it mattered more. Is when they is when they gave the Warriors that win. <laughs> felt just like the playoffs. <laughs> but I felt like all these games were intense. Maybe because they were close, and, and and Friday there could be some blowouts, and we'll feel differently. But that's no different than the playoffs. I, I just like for me, from my perspective as a fan. I was having like more fun than I usually do having multiple screens open, w- keeping tabs on multiple games. And it makes me even more excited for this Friday night with some of the matchups that are coming. It makes me more like more excited for next Tuesday and Friday. And I hope, I hope game by game, it keeps building as we get closer to that fourth and fifth group play game where the teams are actually feeling the pressure to play in for one of the spots and the quarterfinals and then a spot in Vegas. I would hope it kept, keeps building week by week, but first impressions are great. I, yeah. I loved it. I, I loved it. I, I was listening uh, to Sunday's Ringer NBA show group chat. Uh, Chris Ryan was a, was a special guest uh, with uh, uh, Rob Mahoney and Justin Barrier. Waz was out. He's normally on that show. And Chris Ryan is like a huge soccer fan. Uh, he's followed soccer, you know, as long as I've known him, um, probably lo- far longer than that. And Chris, Chris has watched these competitions overseas with, you know, soccer clubs playing in this cup and that cup and how teams sometimes string together different championships and different cups. Some teams are known for success in certain cups, but not in others and all that. And it builds over the course of time. And they were just talking about how, like, this is an opportunity for some of these young teams to carve out something or for Denver, a team that just won the NBA finals to then win this. It's like, Oh, okay. They're continuing their dominance. And then they do it through the regular season. It's just like, it's another marker of, of success in games that are on a, uh, that are elevated. And I'm happy the NBA is doing it. Granted, I wish the NBA went further. I wish they carved out like a two week chunk of the schedule and said, these are all tournament games. We're focusing entirely on the tournament. Everybody's in. I wish they did that rather rather than going from tournament games to normal regular season games and all that. Um, but that one step at a time, I suppose. And maybe if this is a, if this continues to be a success, they'll build towards something like that. Um, but first impressions, very very strong. Do you feel the same way, Chris? Because I've always been, you know, pro in season tournament, pro play, and you've been more like, eh, I mean, open to it. I, yeah, I just want to see it. Look, I, I, yeah. I've never been against it simply because yes, there's never. no reason to be against it. People are not, their attention is not towards when it's November 6th, November 7th, uh, November 10th. Like, that's not when people's attention is turned towards the NBA yet. That really doesn't happen. Like, in many cases, the casual fan is going to really start paying attention when it gets to around Christmas time. And that Christmas day is such a huge center stage day, even though they kind of lost that now because the <laughs> NFL's having Christmas day games. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that it is something that, as I've said, I think that you, for the, the fans, I am, I am of the opinion that they need to add something for the fans fans something for me as a fan to care that my team wins that or is successful in that beyond just 
the team is going out to Vegas. The team has a chance uh, has a chance at this midseason cup, which frankly means nothing. But what do you what do you get for winning the finals? That's what I'm saying. That's what I want. I want something like the players get what five hundred grand a piece. Yeah, but for, what do you get for, for winning, winning the finals it. besides winning the finals? It's the championship. Yeah, and I know it is, but like this is the in season tournament championship. Yeah, and who cares about that? Why I mean, should I care, care if they care, win the in season? Because you care over the course of time, like 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 we've talked about. I've got to win four playoff series to win the finals. I know. Yes, that means more, but I'm. But that doesn't <laughs> what mean, are you but trying that to does, compare but, this to the NBA no, I'm finals? Not. No, I'm saying, but that doesn't mean that this means nothing. Okay, just tell it's, me it's why the, it it's means the, something. It's the meaning that you put on it. It's the it's a single elimination tournament. It's a marker of, of this stage of the season for who is the most successful team. And like, yeah, I give them a give them you know guaranteed playing spot or give them a thirty first pick in the draft. Sure, but like, I'm I'm happy that the league is starting out with nothing for the reward and that from the team side and just simply sticking to the financial reward for players because then then you can change it from here if you do feel like there's timid interest if ratings aren't elevated for those games in vegas if seats aren't filled for those games in vegas or whatever metric you want to use to assess the situation then yeah sure you can add on top of it but i think for year one i'm perfectly fine with keeping it as is making it strictly about basketball and seeing what the response is. That that's my feeling on it. And then it, then it, then if it turns out that people are like who cares, then add something. But I think for if now, my team won it, it if my team won it, I'd go cool. My team won it. Like and that would be the end of that. Yeah, like, but like I'm, don't, gl- but, I'm glad but, I'm glad those guys got 500 grand. But don't but if those games in Vegas are highly competitive where starters are playing 40 plus minutes there's an eight-man rotation, and you're seeing these teams resemble what they would look like in the postseason. Normally, I would say games in October, November, December, January, even February for that matter, sometimes have zilch meaning when it comes to assessing Again, the playoffs. I'm not, but I'm but, not I know, but what this. I'm saying, I know what I'm I know you're not, but I'm just saying don't those games, if those teams are doing that, doesn't that offer something in terms of if the teams are putting their best out there, if they're game planning heavily for that for that semifinal game, for that finals game, and they're doing that shortened rotation? I think that gives it inherently more meaning. And from a, a, a from our perspective on the outside, assessing those teams, it does have some more increased value for assessing what that team might do come April, May, June. <laughs> would laugh, I would laugh my ass off if guys rested. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna. <laughs> it'd be the most, I don't, be I don't the think most NBA gonna. thing ever. I don't think. I don't think <laughs> they're gonna. Just say, ah, it's too many games in two. I'll play the first one, but I can't play the second one. <laughs> that would be horrible. It'd <laughs> be the worst thing if that happened. <laughs> I, I don't think it's gonna happen, but it would be. It would be the worst thing if that happened. Also, also it would be really dumb. If the, if if players and teams were to do that, it's really short sighted because this is the in season tournament is something that the NBA will want to sell as a package to Amazon, Apple, sure. or, or one of the networks. Like, hey, you get our here's what we're, here's how we're going to evolve this. You do three weeks in season tournament all on NBC, right? Like that type of thing. If oh, they I sell would that, look. 
I would I mean? love to see a single elimination like that includes a bunch of teams. Yes, I agree, and I, I think that's what the NBA will build towards. That'd be when, great. The NBA, when the NBA expands to thirty-two teams and twenty-six or twenty-seven with Vegas and Seattle, I think you'll see single elimination involving all thirty-two teams at that point, cool. and that would be dope. So I think yes. I like I. That's why I'm not overreacting to some of the things right now in terms of, hey, I wish they did this or I wish they did that. I wish they went all in with this. I think from the political standpoint within the league office and how they have to operate with all 30 teams, yes, you could say it, it, Adam Silver needs to be a tougher owner and demand everything that he desires with this tournament. But I'm not so sure how realistic that is. And part of it is they do have to take these baby steps towards making it a full-fledged 32 team tournament or whatever shape it takes and I hope that's what it eventually moves towards and I think it will. Did you like the courts? I do like the courts. I think they differentiate it from the normal courts like they get on my other monitors right now. It's like, you know, it's a basic typical court that made it feel like something different. It was cool. It looks better in the arena than it did just seeing the court itself. The the like the uh the images of it that were posted online. We were goofing. Up, we were goofing about guys sitting out, but we have already had some pretty tough injury news that has taken place. Wait, did you, wait, wait a minute. Did you like the courts? Yeah, they're fine. Uh, some of them. Some of them I like. Some of them I thought were too busy. I mean, I feel that's. I feel that way with the that's normal courts too. Some courts I like. Some I don't like. But ultimately, I don't care. I, I don't care about the court. I just care about the product on the court. The the <laughs> the game being played. The court is. The court almost just becomes background noise to me. I thought on some of the games it was distracting. I don't want to be distracted by the court. I didn't, I didn't feel that way, but I, I can see how it was. Yeah. I can see how it could have been. That's what I'm saying. Some of them I thought were good. Some of them were just too busy for me. Yeah, people making like the, the red rum jokes for the Bulls court and, and all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jump into the NBA action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. Plus, all customers get three months of NBA League Pass, courtesy of FanDuel when they place a $5 bet on the NBA. That way, you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from point spreads to player props. Best of all, you'll get paid your winnings instantly. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in bonus bets plus three months of NBA League Pass. Just visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and tip off the NBA season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Limit one pass per customer. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. NBA League Pass local blackout restrictions apply. So uh, regarding that injury news I was talking about, we got McCollum with the collapse lung. That's no good. And not hopefully good. that's not something that's going to keep him out for a very, very long time. But, you know, if, if it keeps him out the same amount of time they did the first time uh, when he had a similar injury, you know, you're probably talking about like Thanksgiving before that happens. Um, interestingly enough, while we were recording this, the Pelicans are playing against the Denver Nuggets and the Denver Nuggets got really bad news on Jamal Murray. Um, you know, even Michael Malone said this is not like a one or two game thing with this hamstring. This is going to be, he, he used the term perceivable future for the perceivable future. And so, you know, that's, 
that is a massive, massive loss for possibly a, a good length of time for Jamal Murray. Um, he had had this hamstring tightness, you know, in the preseason, coming into the season, and now he's having to set down with it. And we've been through this before. In our eight years doing this podcast, how many times have we heard about either, you know, hamstrings or groins and we talk about it all the time anytime you hear it you perk up and you get a little scared quads as well like any of the muscle injuries and it's like geez these guys are never back sooner than what they say it is always longer always and it's like oh they every year we get to the playoffs and it's like they hope they have the guy back for the playoffs and they can't come back so who knows how long murray will be out with this but that's a team that's not necessarily going to be desperate to rack up every regular season win they can. And so I'd not imagine they'll be very, very cautious with this. But that's a, that's a big time be. player out for a long time. They should be patient and they should take this opportunity uh, to develop some of those young guys. Like tonight, Reggie Jackson, a veteran, starts the game, but they have Julian Strother getting increased minutes, their rookie late first round draft pick, Colin Gillespie. Uh, a four-year player out of college, undrafted player out of Villanova. They're, he's getting minutes off the bench for them. Maybe at some point you see Jalen Pickett, our guy. We yep. love Jalen Pickett, um, yep. get an opportunity. So for Denver, yeah, it sucks Jamal Murray's out, and hopefully he can come back and be 100% and pick right up where he left off. But the silver lining could be that some of these younger guys get an opportunity to develop. And in the same way, Christian Brown, just ran with the opportunity last year once his minutes increased following the Bones Highland trade. Maybe some of these guys, particularly Strother, uh, gets an opportunity to carve out a, a serious, consistent rotation role with Jamal Murray being out. The other one is Anthony Davis, who I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. It's it's just something to keep an eye on, what happened in Miami with the groin. And, you know, he's been playing a lot of minutes, playing a lot of minutes to start this season. And it's again, we don't know prognosis on him. Hopefully, it was just precautionary with him not coming back in uh, tonight in that game. And then the worst news by far, injury news that we've had over the course of the last 24 hours, was Robert Williams, who is playing for the Blazers. I just watched him play in two different games against Memphis. He is a name that I mentioned as a possible trade target before the Biombo signing took place, but still somebody that was out there as a, you know, playing backup center in Portland and maybe acquired. And he hurt himself. He went out of the game. He went down the tunnel last night. You know, anytime Robert Williams goes in the tunnel, I think there's always that feeling of, oh, no. Sucks. And sure yeah. enough, today they say that he's going to get surgery. He's basically going to miss the season. And, you know, you, you just worry. My first reaction, if I'm being honest, was I, I went through this, obviously, back in the day with uh, Chandler Parsons. And my first reaction was, man, when your knees are shot, they are shot. <laughs> and it's just hard. It's hard to make it through. And the kid battled and battled, you know, to play as many games as he possibly could. Maybe he regrets that. Maybe he doesn't. You know, but he had a chance to win an NBA championship. And you remember he came back for the Celtics. I saw Isaiah Thomas mocking that. Uh, you know, that tweet was going around everywhere about how, yeah, they told me that too, saying the Celtics said it's not going to do any further damage to him or whatever. And who knows? But the know. kids had I mean, knee problems for a long time. 
And he's had, he's had knee, knee trouble pretty much his entire basketball right. life. And, right. and like the Celtics over the years, this is not me defending them. It's just stating the facts. They used to limit his minutes a lot. Like he, like as a guy who felt like he should be playing 30 plus minutes per game, he'd be mm. playing under 20. And that's because they were limiting him with his potential injury risk. It's, it's unfortunate considering how talented he is. And, you know, hopefully he can come back again because it seems like no matter how many injuries that he has, he doesn't lose any bounce. I he know. Doesn't, he doesn't lose athleticism, it seems. So so hopefully he's able to work his ba- way back. But It's just um, tough to get cut on again, you know? I know, dude. I know. And, you know, he's still a young guy. 26. Yeah. Still a young player. Just turned 26 in October. He's really young. I just think it's, you know, it, that was my immediate reaction. Like, as soon as he went down, I was like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Like, here we go. And it just some some guys, their their health betrays them, you know. And he has certainly been one of those that's been through a lot. And with bigs, it it's always it. scary with bigs. That's right. Um, so that was, that, that was a bad one for sure. Oh, one other thing, Chris, on the injury side with McCollum, Jordan Hawkins. There was some question about who's the guy who's going to step up without McCollum. Jordan Hawkins, their rookie, is the guy tonight that stepped up with a bigger role. Mid-game, uh, 26 points, 21 points, 5 of 10 from 3. I believe we might have mentioned him in passing last week, if I remember he correctly. He can really shoot it. Yeah, he can shoot it. He's had some up-and-down games, but the, right. the highs have been very impressive. So, again, like similar to what I was saying with Denver with the young guys, McCollum out. Maybe Jordan Hawkins can develop some amazing chemistry with Zion and Ingram and those guys and and carve out a role for them. The other thing I liked about him, I watched him one game where he missed everything, and that kid just kept on shooting. Like, they've yeah, no empowered fear. him. They have empowered him, you know, to be able to just keep on pulling, which is a, a good on Willie Green. And I do think that that can serve a real purpose with young players because I'd much rather have that and maybe the green light is abused sometimes, but I'd much rather have that than the guy that is timid to make a play. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're trying sure. to fit in and it's like swing, swing, the ball gets to you and you're not like this kid will pull it now. And he, if he's one for eight, he's one for eight. If he's one for 10, he's one for 10, but he'll he'll pull it. And he's, you know, he is, he is a huge part of that just devastating UConn team that. It was so good. That UConn team was so damn good. And Hawkins was a real part of that. And so it'd be interesting to see if he can get a little bump here. Obviously, you want to see him get some production when he's given this opportunity. And so far, so good. Not the easiest way, way to way to go either, right? When you're, uh, when you're getting that opportunity against the Nuggets. So when I was talking about Robert Williams, I, I said that I watched Portland. Uh, twice over the course of the last couple of days because Memphis played two games there. And in the first one, Shaden Sharp made some big plays down the stretch. He had a great game, dude. You highlighted that. And you also highlighted Sharp in a bunch of these second-year guys uh, that you had been keeping an eye on and have kind of gone one way or another. So you, you wrote about Shaden Sharp and, and Paolo and Matherin and Jalen Duran and Keegan Murray and Mark Williams and uh, Jeremy Sohan. Which of the blurbs stood out to you the most or were you most uh, most ready to write about? Uh, let's talk about first Shaden Sharp and then Jeremy Sohan. 
All I right. think those two are the most interesting. Because so, with Sharp, you saw him those two games. That that game on Friday, the three-pointer hit that he blocked at the end of regulation where he kind of lost track of Luke Kennard and then recovered. Like, I don't know how he blocked that shot. Overtime, I felt like the overtime showed the growth of his game compared to the most of last season. He was under control in the pick and roll. He went at Jaron Jackson Jr. He had the pull-up three. He made some nice passes throughout the night out of pick and roll. He looked like a more seasoned version of himself. Sometimes I think with Sharp, he kind of, you know, gets a little invisible at times. Like you kind of forget he's out there. But when he's when the ball's in his hands and he's empowered, uh, I'm really liking the progress that he's shown this season overall. It looks like somebody that's going to be taking a leap. Another one of those guys that we just like, we never got to see him in college because of that weird Kentucky situation. And so he was all brand new to us as a rookie and just had some crazy highlights as a rookie. Like you can see this, this, this guy is a special athlete. And when you team up being a special athlete with the level of skill that he has, and you think about the age that he is right now, you could certainly foresee a circumstance where he develops into a really special player. And you just think about what a guy like that can look like in, you know, four years from now. And he's got a very, very high ceiling, very high ceiling. Hopefully they build out around him. Hopefully they've got, you know, good structure around him. Hopefully him and Scoot can get some chemistry and it works well together. I do think they were served well obviously with Scoot being out for those two games against Memphis and and Brogdon being in there, just kind of calming influence, run the show. You know, it's always going to be a little bit of a mess, right? Anytime you got a rookie point guard. But yeah, I'm a Sharp fan as well. And also, big, big cojones, made some big plays uh, when it mattered. Your guy, Anthony Edwards, just hit two huge shots against the Celtics in overtime just now. Two massive cojones shots, two pull-up jumpers, intense pounding his chest after the makes. That, like, those are some after big they both, shots. I, 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 I've got this on in the background. Minnesota and uh, and the Celtics both missed uh, game-winning shots. Yep, uh, yep. They, and, before and this game, regulation. we had both had a possession to go into overtime. <sighs> yeah, Edward just pulled up twice, gave him a big lead, and so now... Uh, Wow, it would be the Celtics' first loss. Wow, so those are the Timberwolves <laughs> taking down the undefeateds this season against the Celtics and the Nuggets. I right. mean, the Minnesota, number one defensive rating in the entire NBA with Rudy Gobert looking like his prime self again after a down year last Man. year. Rudy Rudy Gobert's been absolutely sensational. Well, and their perimeter uh, defense. defense. Man, those two, those two could swallow you. Between Edwards and uh, McDaniel's. McDaniels. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. And just hit a crazy ass turnaround. One. Yeah, the turnaround from the paint, right? It's so Seven nuts. straight. Mm-hmm. Or wait, no, was that eight? I guess it was eight straight, right? That he's had. The McDan- end of this, so, yeah. McDaniel's, he, he missed the start of the year. And even in the games he's played, he's had some foul trouble getting back. But I posted a stat on X earlier today from NBA.com's tracking data. Opponents are shooting only 33.3% from two-point range when they're defended by Jaden McDaniels. That's it. I'm sorry for laughing. He, you know, this is he did this at Team USA, Edwards. too. 
Oh, he just missed the goal by 20 feet on a pull-up three. Uh, <laughs> right when you were saying yeah, that. I'm like, come on, dude. Come on. Come on. Just a, a tremendous air ball. Crazy. After the clutch dude, when he gets cooking, yes. look, When he gets cooking, he gets cooking, though. It's so oh, funny. It. Yeah, but, but, but McDaniels, uh, you know, on the perimeter next to Edwards, and they have some other good perimeter guys, too. Alexander Walker, Saleh, like Conley competes, even though he's a smaller guard, as you know, with him. Yep. Kyle Anderson competes. And then you got Gobert playing some of the best defense that he ever has with some of the best perimeter defenders he ever has. And you got to give Cat credit. Uh, Cat's hustling out there. Yeah. Um, do, doing what he can. Um, I'm, I'm st- I still think, I still think the Wolves, to maximize who they can become and become a championship team is going to require a cat trade. I don't know, man. I like them. It, 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 man, they're, they're, they are, uh, even you see this closing lineup against the Celtics. Celtics make a lot of teams look small. And their Minnesota team is huge. Minnesota is huge, especially when they got Anderson out there. They got like Mike Conley and then everybody else oh, is big. Man, McDaniels, on the team. dude. McDaniels you know I mean? is so f- Oh my God, he's good, dude. Yeah, he, I, I, I think I think I'm a little hit of you on the feed, but he just hit a huge pull up. Spoiler alert! <laughs> here's another here's another guy that you wanted to talk about. Who was another guy that we thought could be a defensive standout for sure. Instead, he's kind of mired in the the slump to start the season, and they tried him at point guard and a guy that we really like, Jeremy Sohan. Tough go at the beginning and not necessarily the role that we think he's going to be. I I, I don't know why they're playing him at point guard. It just well, doesn't Did you make read my sense. article? Yes. Did you read it? What what do you, so what do you think about what I put in there? You so you said you said that you don't know why that he's playing point guard for I know you the think Spurs that, you and, think and, that there that the reason is that they're not ready to so it's like a developmental thing, and that yes, yeah, it's, like, it's a developmental thing. What I wrote in the article was was this right here: Popovich, the Popovich quote. First of all, he called Sohan starting at point guard their quote official 2023-24 experiment. Okay, that's what Popovich himself said, and I have somewhere in there saying how like in the same way that you're developing Wembenyama by letting him take isolation shots and Devin Vassell. Uh, you know, taking some crazy pull-up threes and all that. You're letting those guys be scorers. You need to let Jeremy Sohan develop some guard skills considering that they view him as a, not necessarily a Draymond clone, but a Draymond-esque player as a big ball handler, one of the guys in your offense that help is helping facilitate for your team. Because for the Spurs, it's not about winning games in 23-24. It's about winning games in 2026, 27, 28. So by developing Sohan now, you're investing in your future later when it comes time to win championships. You get to find out what you really have in him, if he's a keeper moving forward, and for his own sake with his own development, you get to let him work through this and and develop these skills when the stakes are low, which they are right now. So yes, Trey Jones is a is a better point guard today. But the Spurs doing this with Sohan isn't about today. It's about the future. And I just don't think his destiny is handling the ball a lot anyway. I, I disagree completely. I think you I do. think I think I think it's maybe the word a lot that's like handling the ball a lot 
might be not the case. Maybe he's a role player. Yes, I mean, he's but, not but, be but a high usage. But, but he's but he's one of the guys who will handle the ball. Maybe he doesn't handle the ball a lot, but he could be one of the guys who's handling the ball in important situations for your team. So this is getting him to work through that and improve. That, that that's where I kind of fall when it comes why to can't, his why, usage. Why, why can't why can't you serve two masters? Why can't you play? The, the best basketball that your team can play, but also develop guys. You don't think that that's possible? No, because I think you know what you have in Trey Jones. He's a solid backup point guard, and he's going to get touches, which he does, but Jeremy Sohan getting minutes out, out there with Wemby and Vassell and Keldon Johnson and those guys and developing him is important, unless it gets to a point that it feels like it's detrimental to them, which thus far I don't. I don't think it's necessarily the case. I mean, we're recording on a night they just got beat by 50. Yeah, they did just get beat by 50. (laughs) 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 What what the hell you want? They just got beat. The Pacers just beat it by 50 freaking points. It's not not, detrimental. But that's not necessarily the the fault of the (laughs) offense. It's the fault of their defense (laughs) to give them 152 (laughs) points. I mean, I just think with Sohan, he's a unique. I don't, I don't player. know who that's good but, for. Losing but the, but this is but this is why I, I liked him out of college, out of Baylor. At Baylor, he showed off good playmaking instincts, uh, the ability to be a mismatch nightmare for opponents. It, with him, it's about developing a shot and developing some of his decision making. And if you can get that out of him by investing in him now, to me, it's worth it, even if. He's a worse point guard than Trey Jones. We know he's a worse point guard than Trey Jones. And also for the Spurs, it's not the worst thing in the world to be a little bit worse and drop some games if it's in the in the in in the meaning of developing for your future. If you end up, you know, missing the ten seed playing and you get the thir- twelve or thirteen because you had Sohan get heavy minutes of guard all season long, I view that as an overall win uh, in the grand scheme of things for the Spurs. I mean, you feel- all right, I, I look. Time will tell. We just look Time at it so tell. much differently. Who, I, I just who, think who are the, we to look at Greg Popovich? The, the, I don't. I don't. What well, he's the developing bo- into bo- a piece of crap. He's doing the, nothing. That's that's not <laughs> like, true. The, the, bo- what, the what, bottom. What, what game? What game is Jeremy? The game against played? the Suns. The game year. against the Suns. What the, the eight point seven the rebound game, game? No, no, no. The game where he had nine assists and like no turnovers, one turnover, whatever it was that he had. The game against the Suns that they won. The Wemby coming out party. When it was last Thursday, the the night where we weren't able to record, that was the game. That game was when Sohan was at his best and showed the potential when he was out there facilitating, playing with pace, creating quality shots for his teammates, playing good man-to-man defense on the perimeter. That's the long-term vision with him as a player, and that's why the Spurs are investing in him right now. So, yes, I get it. When you're tuning into Spurs games, you're like, who is this dude, this Dennis Rodman impressionist, handling the ball, running their offense. And then you see Trey Jones, who's like cool, calm, and collected, just running a tight ship. Like, why is Trey Jones not getting the ball? Because the Spurs aren't worried about getting a win on a Tuesday night in 2023. They're they're worried mostly right now about investing in a team that they feel can, can, can contend for championships in 26, 27, 28, and so on and so forth down the line. Because if Sohan does work out, if he develops... If you can pair Victor Wembanyama with a six foot nine versatile defender who's a mother effer out there as a rebounder, as a tough guy, and he's a selfish, selfless passer on the court, 
that's a good fit next to Victor Wembanyama. It's worth the investment. I like what the Spurs are doing, even if it's leading to some more losses in the short term. I think it helps in the long term. All right. Well, yep. We this is where we break ways. I, mm-hmm. All right. I, de- I develop I into what I he's going it. to be is an NBA player. That's I think. I think. I think there's there's there is some logic to sometimes throwing him out into the pool, putting more on his plate than he this will. This is summer lead. league stuff. This is what you do with summer league. You go out there and let the guys let the two guys weeks. Go, go do that, and then the you know yeah, but I, that, summer league is doesn't mean shit. Why it's, not be except, the best? Why you you are. You you are not being a, the team that you could be. In you are sacrifice. You are developing one player. They're not though. They're still yeah, developing yes, Wemby. They're still developing. But, they, but de- you could be developing he, all those guys in a better way by somebody that can deliver the ball and play real basketball. Yeah, as a but point like, guard. yeah, but your future. I don't think it's going to be with Trey Jones either. Trey Jones is a six foot one. 180 pound career backup point guard who's a, a game manager that comes off your bench. You if you're getting, if you're getting his night rating, go look at so hard. I don't care if you're giving 30 you minutes to care. I don't care. I'm you telling you, about, I don't care. Okay. If you're giving you, 30 you minutes to Trey Jones, the results, but that's way doing, better with Trey Jones. That's doing exactly what you said. You just said, well, why would you do, why would you play the guys that aren't going to be doing things in your future? I don't think Trey Jones is going to be part of your future. Trey Jones is a guy to have off your bench that helps man- run things and manage things and smooth them out. But Trey Jones might not necessarily be that guy in the long term. He's a solid backup point guard that at some point, some team might try to pluck away that's in need of a guard. But like Jeremy Sohan is the guy that you feel has a chance to be a fixture in your future. So yes, you are. You are investing it in the guys that you feel can be part of that. They'll ditch it. And then you'll agree with that too. I don't think so. Yes, you will. I don't yes, know if they will. So, I'm not sure they will. It was actually smart for them to ditch it. Like, you'll agree with whatever they do with him. No, I don't think so. Not necessarily. Unless he completely stinks it up and it's horrible. And then it becomes... I just said to you earlier, if it becomes detrimental to the develop development of the other guys, then yes, you ditch it. But I don't think it's detrimental so far. I think the they flashes... They lost by 50! Yeah, but they lost by 50. That's not... That's not... <laughs> That's not the fault of of the guy who's running points. It's not detrimental. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about? (laughs) Trey Jones, one for five in the game, a minus 21. Oh, Trey Jones, detrimental. It's not that. It's not all that. It's not all because of Sohan. Let's be serious. Let's be real. I'm, I'm just goofing because it just so happens that to, to say something's not detrimental on a night where they lost by 50. I know. It, it is funny. It's, it's, funny. A tough, it's a tough night to make this argument, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> and by the way, quick change of topics. Uh, yeah. Denver Nuggets up 10, middle of the fourth quarter. Julian Strother, just circling back to the point we were talking about earlier, 21 points off the bench for the rookie Julian Strother, their late first-round draft pick. Boy, oh boy, did Calvin Booth nail the draft, didn't he? Another casual dub for Calvin Booth. <laughs> boy, he's good. <laughs> he is good. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm dead ass. Like, the dude's a great GM. He's really good at drafting. Oh, man. Yeah, Strother. Um, <laughs> he's a bucket getter, man. I well, love and Strother. Look, as we said, it's a lot of shots and a lot of opportunity that's going to be available in the absence yep. of uh, Jamal Murray. And also a lot of... Down the stretch, you know, game on the line stuff. Because I mean, boy, if they 
you know it's all running through Jokic, but you get in a war with them and you know you're about to you're about to just see this pick and roll come right at you over and over again and you got to make choices. And mm-hmm. other guys are gonna have opportunities at the end of games. And that could actually serve them serve them very well as time goes on with getting these guys a lot of reps because it is not Michael Malone's typical mode of operation to to play young guys a lot. Brown was kind of the exception last year, Christian Brown. But some of these younger guys, whether it's Peyton Watson, whether it's Strother, whether it's, you know, guys we've talked about, might get that opportunity now as the as the rotation needs a couple extra guys to uh, get in the mix. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. I meant to ask you, college basketball started tonight. Now, I know all of our attention was certainly on the NBA, considering there's 12 games going on. But I was looking at, uh, who was it? Uh, Gavoni put out his like list of like 25 prospects or whatever. And I think there was like, four college guys or something like that, like in the top 10. Like there's all these like, there's a G League Ignite guys and international guys. And I saw a couple of highlights from uh, DJ Wagner, which makes me feel old as crap, considering <laughs> I covered his father, Dewan, in college uh, when he played at the University of Memphis. And now DJ Wagner's playing for Calipari at Kentucky. Anyways, uh, he was a little further down that list. DJ Wagner, who is obviously an outstanding high school player. Uh, you know, I- I've seen some of the names. Isaiah Collier at USC and, and some of the others. I think there's some kids at UConn. Uh, it seemed like there was like guards and bigs kind of amongst most of the like very, very early rankings or mocks that I've looked at. Is there anybody that you think, um, you know, college basketball wise? that I should for sure go out of my way to check out early this season? Because there's a lot of actually good non-conference games that are scheduled early in the year. Uh, I think one of the early games, I think it's late November, early December, UConn versus Kansas uh, on the the UConn side. You got Donovan Klingon, who could have been a first-round pick last year. Um, and then Stefan Castle, their freshman point guard. Th- those two guys together both could be top 10 picks. Uh, they were both top 10 on my board that launched back in August. I'd, I'd have some updates um, since then. And then on the Kansas side, this guy, El Marco Jackson, um, freshman point guard. They're kind of a big guard, intriguing player, worth keeping an eye on. And plus they have a bunch of returning plays, like players like McCuller. Um, who I really like, kind of a two-way wing. So I think I think Kansas UConn is the early season matchup, but I, that might not be 
yeah, that's not till December 1st. So not quite an early season game. But Kansas does face Kentucky on November 14th. Kentucky, you just mentioned with Wagner. Um, they have Edwards, another potential top 10 pick. So that's probably the, the first game like between you know some potential top 10 teams, Kentucky, Kansas, on November 14th to keep an eye on um, that comes to mind on my end. But you're right, Chris. Like, you know, there's not a lot of college yeah. prospects that could be number one picks. Like, I think one guy that I really, really like who makes his debut on Tuesday, Jacoby Walter out of Baylor. The question is, how much is he actually going to play? They have some returning guards and wings in that rotation as well. So he's going to be competing for minutes. Duke has like three different point guards that are all competing with each other for minutes. Um, Proctor being the guy that kind of has the advantage in that situation as a sophomore. But Jared McCain, very talented player as well. Foster, another player as well. Three guards in that backcourt. Um, Filipowski returning as well for them and his second You like year. him? He's solid. He's solid. Uh, I don't, I'm not like head over people heels. People thought he was going to go out in the draft last year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like head over heels in love with Filipowski, but he's a solid player and his development this year, like, will be far, far, far more telling and, and, uh, figuring out where he's going to end up becoming an, as an NBA player. But it's, it's an interesting year. And like, I, like in my neck of the woods here in, LA. I mean, I know everybody's focused on USC with, you know, all eyes on Bronny, who may or may not play, and Isaiah Collier, uh, their freshman point guard. But at UCLA, they have a number of international prospects as well to keep an eye on, too, with UCLA, um, especially uh, Adai Mara, their big seven foot center. He's a very, very interesting player. And uh, Bona returning as well, their sophomore center. I was at UCLA practice about a week or so ago and Talked with their head coach as a part of media scrum. And Cronin? Bona, yeah, Cronin was there. Yeah, he's good. He's good at the media. He, oh, he's, he's great. <laughs> he's really good at the media. Gave some great answers. But um, yeah, the, uh, UCLA and USC. College basketball right here in LA. Pretty good. A lot of guys. Yeah, to you got to go over to USC's going to be like the, uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be the draw, right? If if Bronny plays for sure. I but hope. Isaiah, I hope. People love that Isaiah Collier guy. Yeah, he's they really good. Him. I hope Bronny returns maybe December, January, something like that. Is that, that. what they're saying? Uh, I hope so. Something like that. All right. Well, there are no NBA games uh, tomorrow, which is Tuesday when most people are oh, going to be listening. A lot of this. college basketball games, though. There are a lot of college basketball games, so flip around. I'll try, I'll try to find some prospects uh, over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks. Watch Baylor. Because, Watch Baylor oh, Auburn. Just, just I want to see Jacoby Walter. That, that's the guy I, I got my eyes on in that game. Baylor at is uh, facing Auburn. That's, that's an ESPN game too. It's a national game. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, look, these. Every time I look at the the, the college schedule, like the, a lot of these teams, they play these very good non-conference matchups at the beginning of the year, and in some cases, like the best competition that they will play. I mean, it happens very early in the year, but then you go back and look and it's like, how many times did they face, like, you know, highly ranked teams? And a lot of times, especially if their conference isn't delivering that particular year, it was those non-conference games that might tell you the most about how they look against teams that they'll end up having to face in the NCAA tournament. But it was kind of crazy to look at that top 10 and be like, damn, man, they ain't in college no more. <laughs> they, they are... They are spaced out. Yeah. I think three of the top 10 were on that G League Ignite team. Yeah. 
Yep. I'm going to get to see them twice this year because they're coming to, uh, they'll come play against the Memphis Hustle. So I'll go watch them. Yeah. I have uh, Almanza, Holland, and Buzelis in my top 10. Did I assume Gavoni had the same, probably yeah, the that same Almanza, three, right? like it said, like he was like MVP of the under 17, under 18, under, like the guy has been under 15, under 17, under 18. Like he's just been this yeah. international tournament. Monster. Oh, Lance is really good. Really good. Yeah. Like some really, really, really high achievements. Yeah. I see Gavoni has Ron Holland number one right now. So that's his yeah. number one. I, I probably have him one at the moment as well. Ron Holland? Yeah, I think so. I, I moved him ahead of Buzelis. Buzelis had a not a great week against um per, the Perth Wildcats. I like Buzella still, don't get me wrong, but But you like that kid kid from Perth. Alex Sar. Yep. Yeah, Alex Sar. Yeah, Alex Sar, really, really good. Lord knows you love to fall in love with the French. I sure do love the French, man. You know it. It's all paying <laughs> off. By the way, speaking of the French, <laughs> Killian Hayes tonight. Oh, one God. of his best games of that's his entire uh, career. You saw it? That's, uh, yeah, you I saw, saw it. I 21 the, points. I saw those track marks Curry left on him, too. 20, 21 points, 8 <laughs> of 12, 7 assists, no turnovers. Yeah, looked like yeah. looked like the best player on the Pistons. It was really weird. Watch. I actually watched the fourth quarter of that game. I had it on, and I, I, Kate Cunningham just didn't even have the ball. It was so strange. I know. That, I'm like, that this situation game is like so coming weird. down. I'm like, this game is coming down. Like, I figure, I don't know. Like, they're they're kind of a mess. Kind of, it's kind of too equal opportunity for me. And I know he was out for injury or illness, whatever. But the burial of Ivy is just friggin' crazy. And like, I just, I don't know. It, it's don't, just a pull, just a pull from that Nuggets article. Calvin Booth talking about overlap when he mm-hmm. talked about like his, his goals with the Nuggets is to avoid overlap. Think about that construct when it comes to Detroit. They are the epitome of overlap with all the ball handlers that they've invested in. Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Ivy, Thompson for that matter, like over and over investing it. Marcus Sasser, they traded up for Marcus yeah. Sasser. Like and they're, started, all, they're playing him. Yeah, like you got all these guys that are best with the ball in their hands. Like, like it's weird. It's a weird situation there. Never mind all the bigs that they have too. It's like they have a ton of guards and a ton of bigs, but not a lot of anything in between. It's just, I, I think that they got a lot to figure out. They do. They have to make some trades and I, I think reshuffle the deck here. And I guarantee you there's another team out there that's like, oh, I'd love to get Ivy or, hey, let's take a shot at Killian or, oh, can we get this guy? You know, like I just, I think they, they have to make a move and balance out this roster, not the Spurs. The Spurs are the team that has balance. The Pistons are the team that needs to worry about development right now and figuring out how to shuffle minutes and touches here. Last thing before we get out of here. How mad were you that you couldn't goof on me anymore? <laughs> and that the Grizzlies finally broke their six-game losing streak. I don't know. I mean, won there's, a game. There's, won there's, a game. There's, there's still a lot of time to goof on you. There's 25 game. games without Ja. There's 18 more games without Ja Morant, and then there's... And then there's going to be the reintegration period once he comes back. You didn't see they found, you, they found something. They found Biombo. Well, no, look, here's the thing. In all seriousness, Biombo does put Jaron Jackson Jr. in the place that he's supposed to be. 
Biombo was the placeholder at the five. Hey, I I know they were playing Portland. You know what their defensive rating was with Jackson and Biombo on the floor together? Probably like 62. <laughs> 68. Wow. You can't score. Wow. Where are you going to go? Want to know with Biombo? Where are you going to go? Hey, I mean, but here, here's why I'm not worried about <laughs> not having the ability to goof on you, though, Chris. You want to mm. know why? Because they play the Heat on Wednesday night. Heat, Utah. Yeah, sure. Those are both winnable. But then Clippers, Lakers, Wemby and the Spurs, Celtics, the red hot Houston Rockets, Suns, Timberwolves. Like, there's some tough games coming up through Thanksgiving. You never know who's going to play, though. I know. That's the crazy thing. Every time I look at the schedule, it's like, I don't know who's going to play and who's not going to play on these teams. You end Damn. up you end up facing them, and it's like, okay, is Anthony Davis going to be out for a while? You know, you got a game against Denver now, and it's like, okay, is Jamal Murray going to be out or against the Pelicans? It's like Ingram had been out. Now McCollum's going to be out. It's like, jeez. You just don't know. It's Phoenix. How many times have we seen uh, the, the big three, as it were? Oh, P.S., if there's one thing on our first episode that we got to take back, I'm taking back my Dallas analyses and my soft prediction, semi-bold. They're fine. And you got to take back the Nurkic thing. He stinks. And yeah, what's he, he shooting around the rim? Like 40%? He stinks. He stinks. <laughs> he's like 40%. <laughs> that was a one-night wonder. One-night wonder. He's like 40% at the basket right now. <laughs> I and told he, you. I and, told and, you all these years he stinks. LeBron just driving right past him. Yeah, I don't know what happened to you. You must have been on some uh, some of them Aaron Rodgers drugs one night when you started thinking, <laughs> started thinking this oh, guy was good. Uh, here, here, no, I stand by this point, though, that Aiton wasn't the guy for the Suns. No, trust me. I, I just got done watching it for two games. He's so lame. He's so lame. Well, that's why, but but Chris, that was my argument. It wasn't that Nurkic is some No, he's still better than Nurkic. I know, yeah, but my argument wasn't that he's not better than Nurkic, is that Nurkic is is better for the Suns. I know, you just can't on principle. You can't, like, I, I can't sit there and go, and they never get beat up over this. It's always the Kings that get beat up, but it's like, bro, that's the guy you took over, Luka Doncic. And you, you just traded Luka Doncic for Yusef Nurkic package. Come on, bro. It it really is crazy that that's how it resulted, <laughs> isn't it? Like, isn't that something else? The guy you took over, Luka, you ended up trading him for, like, washed up Yusef Nurkic. A package that includes Yusef Nurkic is amazing. And Nasir Little. Isn't that something else? Like, when you really think about it through that context, through that lens, man, what could have been, dude? I mean, granted, they went to a finals and they're this team that has finals aspirations. But boy, you'd rather be building right now with Devin Booker and Luka and have that core moving forward and, and growing together. Because Luka is ball dominant as he's become in Dallas. I wonder what Luka would have looked like developing alongside Booker. Yeah. Maybe they would have clashed and maybe there'd be friction. Who knows? But I, I think those two guys are competitors enough and high IQ players uh, that they would have made it work. But uh, alas, they have Kevin Durant and they have Devin Booker and they have Bradley Beal possibly coming back Wednesday or Friday. And we'll see how all, how it all looks when they get their whole supporting cast together for a team that has title hopes despite some of the mistakes, including Jalen Smith over Tyrese Halliburton. 
it's just another one. So it's like like they've made some critical draft mistakes, and yet they're in this position. Just like the Warriors, they drafted James Wiseman with number two pick. He's he can't even grab rebounds against Moses Moody in tonight's game. He's getting out rebounded by Moses Moody. The Warriors make one critical mistake, but yet like Kaminga's seemingly working out, Moody's working out. Um, you can get over mistakes in the draft. It's just boy, it makes things easier if you're like the Nuggets and you get Christian Brown and now Julian Strother and. And maybe we'll see with these other guys. It's much better to have success in the draft than it is to not. No, duh. There's no way around that. <laughs> That's um, for sure. It is always a pleasure. We will reconvene on Thursday night after we've got a lot more NBA action that's taking place. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I will talk to you on Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. Have a good week, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call one 800 9 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call one 877 8 hope ny or text hope ny in new york